brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Greetings, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are. Again, I will say it. I have missed you all dearly, and I'm so happy to be back. Please forgive me as I've not caught up with the comments yet. There is still a plethora of them I need to respond to. (laughs) But I promise I will get back to everyone who has commented since I've been away and now that I'm back as soon as possible. Down below in the description box, if you would like to buy me a coffee because you enjoy what you are hearing, that link can be found down below. I would appreciate it as it does help me and the channel. Again, if you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes for only $1.99 a month, that link can also be found down below. Perks include getting early releases on videos, top priority responses in the comments section, and many more perks. Now, it is time to go back to ashes, for when we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, stronger, better, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm and enjoy these true creepy encounters. I was walking in between two very scenic towns on a very nice day. I had gotten a ride a little further than I would have been able to walk in a normal day. And walking back was going to take the next five or six hours. So, when a little pickup truck stopped, I got in. Even though the endorphins from walking were kicking in, and... It was a beautiful stretch of road, desert in bloom. The trucker was primer black on the outside, and inside it was entirely covered in tar. I think roofing tar. There was a teddy bear in the middle of the bucket seat. As soon as I closed the door and said thanks, he pulled out onto the road and sped up and started swerving from side to side. He said he thought I was a crazy homeless woman, but as soon as I opened my mouth, he knew better. I was just looking around, noticing that I had roofing tar stuck to my shirt and hands because it covered the seat in the truck as well as the floor and doors. He started talking about serial killers, and just the way he talked, I thought he might not be interested in women particularly. I looked at the teddy bear and thought, if he kills people, he kills little boys, not grown women, and I went from a little scared to calm. I watch a lot of true crime and I also had serial killer facts, so 
I just chatted with him about serial killers and his roofing tar-covered truck. He yelled and swerved down the road, and I just thought this asshole gets off on making people scared and making them cry, and I'm not doing it. When we got to where I wanted to be, I just said, here's fine, and offered him gas money. It was a bit of a drive. He screamed, you don't offer me money. And then I couldn't open the door because it was stuck with roofing tar and he had to get out and open it for me. And he was so, so clearly angry about the whole situation. I sometimes wonder what that roofing tar was all about. Around 1.30 a.m., my friends had gone to the hotel a few minutes worth of a walk while I stayed back at the casino just playing the slots and getting some free drinks. I was mildly tipsy at this time, so I may be overthinking all of this, but it happened like an hour ago, so I just wanted to tell someone I had just gotten a refill when this dude in his mid to late 40s puts his arm around my chair and asked me if I was winning. I didn't look at him, just said no and focused on the machine, hoping he'd take the hint. He then proceeded to ask me if I was alone. That's a really creepy question to ask someone especially late at night, and especially to a young woman. At least, I think so. I didn't know how to respond, and my brain went in to autopilot. I said, No, leave me alone, while looking him in the eyes. He looked kind of offended and left immediately, and I didn't see him after that. The casino was brightly lit, with security officers patrolling around constantly, so I don't think I was in any danger, but it still unsettled me. It ruined my vibe, and I went back to the hotel 20 minutes later, while on the phone with my boyfriend. Since then, I haven't stepped back in the casino my whole trip there. Guys who ask girls if they're alone are just creepy as hell. Now my boyfriend demands that I come back home immediately. It was the first weekend in May 1997 when this happened. At the time... I was a sophomore at our local private two-year college. Instead of living in the dorms, I lived at home as our house was right next to campus. To the point I was closer to a couple of my classes than the students who lived in the dorms. Just to the south of our place 
was an overflow parking lot, which served both the church and the school. The school was about to embark on a remodel project, where it had enough construction to warrant parking, a tractor trailer in the overflow parking lot. Basically, perpendicular to our house. Two of my best friends were heading home the next morning, one for Iowa and the other for Virginia. So, we decided to spend the evening as best we could by watching movies. Remember, young'uns, this was before streaming services were ever a thing. The college was a hotbed of activity as people were packing up to head home with the graduating sophomores getting ready for the ceremony in two days. As we were lounging in my living room, a couple of the girls we knew, one of which I was interested in, suddenly rang the doorbell, asking to come in to wash their hands as they had been on a walk and their hands smelled funny. The girl I was digging named KT, stuck her hands in my face to which I recognized the distinct smell of shaving cream, so I knew something nefarious was afoot. We watched them leave via the dining room windows before I told the boys they were up to something, so we left from the back door. Those two girls had tried to trash my friend's room with shaving cream and toothpaste. Oh, (laughs) it was game on. We ran into one of the boys' mod mates, an obnoxious guy who had no concept of boundaries. I had made a point of not ever letting the guy, uh, let's just call him JB, know where I lived as he was the type to just show up unannounced and not pick up on social cues when it was time to leave. The girls were hiding from our retribution and even JB pledged his loyalty to help us. I told him to keep an eye out. We'd be back. So we left him hanging in the common area under the girls' dorms. We slid back to my house, to which I told the boys to just be patient. The girls would be back. We set up watching to the south from the darkened dining room, soon rewarded by seeing KT sneaking back towards the house. I told the boys the plan was to ambush her, so we crept out of the back door. KT had disappeared behind the tractor trailer as she was obscured from view. But, to our dismay, there was a black-clad figure laying on the ground just around the corner from the trailer where KT was hiding. My boys were next to me as I was cussing in whispers because I was 30 yards away from whom I thought was J.B., He was laying with his head away from us, so he couldn't see us without turning his body as he stayed perfectly still 
He might have been 10 feet from the corner of the trailer where KT was. After a brief discussion, I said it couldn't be helped, so we'd continue with our plan to ambush and scare KT. The three of us quietly padded around the back side of this trailer to find KT on her stomach, intently watching the house, trying to see movement. She was actually way closer to where JB was laying, completely oblivious to the fact he was actually within five feet of her prone position. She never heard me as I crept up behind her, curled my hands into claws before grabbing her as I snarled. Fetal position instantly for her, which prompted howling laughter from my two friends and myself. She was petrified as we chortled, I caught my breath long enough to wonder where JB was, as I thought he would have joined us by now. Looking around the corner, there was no one on the ground, but you could tell someone had been laying where we saw him, even in the darkness. One of the boys, TC, said the black-clad figure jumped up and ran to the west, odd, I thought, but JB was also a strange cat. After KT apologized for her earlier hijinks and I had detailed what happened, our merry band made it back to campus to keep our eyes on her. We ran into JB to which I said, dude, you didn't have to run off, you could have stayed. JB replied, Uh, I don't even know where you live. The realization hit us like a ton of bricks. It wasn't JB laying on the ground, mere feet from KT. KT went white as a sheet, and all of us were suddenly creeped out by the random guy laying on the ground. It turns out during the summer, all around the college, there were cases of houses being walked through with very little being taken, as if someone was casing houses, but no one has ever been caught. A few years ago, I was hiking the southern portion of the Pacific Crest Trail in Washington State, USA. It was late June, so warm enough the water sources were valuable. I made camp toward the end of day in a mildly used site. It was a few feet off the trail, but not deep into the woods. A babbling brook was about 50 feet away. As I was heating water on my tiny stove for dinner, an older, 60-ish man walked down the trail. He saw me and hollered to ask if I had any water. 
I noticed he was wearing regular clothes, jeans, sneakers, and a casual white button-down shirt. No pack. All of this was odd. I was far enough down the trail, maybe 10 miles, from any road, that a day hiker would have been extremely rare at that point. I welcomed him into my camp and gave him water from a jug. He drank it, thanked me, then walked on. I thought it was odd and it stuck in my mind. The following week, I came off the trail to a nearby town and learned of a massive manhunt for a guy in his 60s wearing jeans, sneakers, and a casual white button-down shirt. He had abandoned his car near the PCT and was on the run from the feds for money laundering and other white-collar crimes. I never did learn if they found him. I often wonder how far he got with no gear, no food, and no water. A small part of me hopes he got away. Alright, so, this takes place in late August of 2022. I had been borderline dating this guy I was super interested in. We would meet a couple of times each week at random places. Usually at our old high school's football field as it was usually empty. I don't talk to this guy anymore. He ended up turning out to be an asshole. But at the time, we were both the type to get into rebellious or delinquent situations. To describe the setting, we live in a large suburban town. I only just recently moved here a couple of years ago from a different town, about 15 minutes away. Across the street from our old high school, there's a huge public park with hiking trails, playgrounds, wreck areas, and acres of woods. I used to visit the park all the time as a kid, even before I lived down the street from it. So, I've always been familiar with its general layout. Anyway, on to the story. This one particular night, he and I are hanging out on the bleachers. It's probably around 9 p.m., well past the park's closing time. And I sprout the brilliant idea of walking across the street to the park, which he's down for. We run over in a couple of minutes, and the entrance to the park is pretty long. A long, narrow path of asphalt that leads past a fountain, a huge decorative pine tree, some decorative sculptures, before finally reaching the parking lot to the huge and sprawling playground where I spent a great deal of my childhood. We're making our way up the very dimly lit road, goofing off and whatnot. We finally reach the parking lot and playground, 
Mind you, there isn't a single light or lamppost in the playground itself, so the whole place was blanketed in this eerie dark blue color. And to make it worse, I wasn't wearing my glasses, so everything beyond ten or so feet from me was blurry. We passed this old white Toyota Camry in the parking lot on our way in that we didn't really think much of. We're just sort of running around the place, taking pictures, spinning each other on the merry-go-round, and all that. At one point, we're standing next to a couple of slides, and he's talking to me about something, and I think I can hear a faint crunch in the distance. So I shush him abruptly and tell him to listen. Sure enough, we hear footsteps, maybe about 50 feet from us. We kind of look at each other with smirks before remembering that the park closed over an hour ago and that there really should not be anyone else here. I look over and see a tall silhouette shrouded in the bluish darkness. And as soon as I look at it, the footsteps accelerate to a full-on run towards us. We immediately take off without another word with this guy hot on our asses. We run and leap across the dark parking lot and hear that white Camry start behind us. We're both pretty fast and we both manage to make it to that tall decorative pine tree I mentioned earlier. We duck behind its thick trunk as the car approaches and to be honest, I probably would not make this big of a deal about this story if it wasn't for this part. The car slowed down, almost to a complete stop, as it went past the tree. There was a good 35 or so feet of grass between the tree and this car. We kept our eye on the car as we slowly rotated around the tree keeping out of sight of the person in that car. After about a minute of feeling like I'm about to piss my pants, the car suddenly lurches forwards and peels off, exiting the park. We collect our thoughts and breathe and walk out, nervously cracking jokes about the whole situation. I've thought about this entire thing and thought maybe it was a security guard but then again the park doesn't hire active security guards that I know of and if this person was a guard you'd think they would make their presence known as a guard instead of just running at us and they would probably have a much more well suited car than some old dusty, rusty Toyota Camry. Mind you, it was from the early 2000s or so, not a newer model. And I highly doubt that it was some random person, as the park had been closed for a while previously, and they were coming 
from the direction of the paths. It's quite difficult to get lost in the woods, too, as there are plenty of directional signs and exits. Additionally, it was incredibly strange for this person, if they were just a random person, to frantically jump in their car and pretty much pursue us out of the park. We were running exceptionally quick, and this person would have had to go out of their way to drive around or out of the parking lot and to where they found us. So, I don't know. The whole thing is just incredibly creepy to me. This was on the safe part of town, which makes it even more confusing for me. This morning, I went to have an oil change in my car. I was wearing a hat, glasses, and a coat, very much in my incognito era. I didn't really talk to any of the workers, as it was early and I was too tired to be socializing. I went to work and I get a strange text a few hours later. The random number asked me if I had a Snapchat. I said that I think they must have the wrong number. They said no. Don't get me in trouble, but can I be honest with you? And proceeded to tell me that he saw me in the shop this morning and thought I was pretty and was asking if I had a boyfriend. I said... I have no idea who you are. Then he sent me a selfie and begged me to let him call me and explain. What in the actual F? So basically, this creep waited until I drove off, slithered over to the computer, pulled up all my information, including my address and my phone numbers, I will be building a scarecrow to put in my passenger seat for my next oil change. I will start off by saying this is not my story, but was told to me by the survivor. Many years ago, when Staten Island was essentially a woodland, my friend, Sandy, met a man who seemed a little off. In spite of her mixed feelings, she decided to meet him in a coffee shop for a first date to see how it went. He pulled up for their date at a Manhattan cafe, dressed for the beach and said, Come on. Let's go to the beach in Staten Island for a swim. She allowed herself to be coaxed out of her safe space into the car. They drove to Staten Island, stopped in a place to get some food, and again, something said, run. But she got back in the car. The man took her, not to the beach, 
but to a deserted quarry in Staten Island. This was when the whole island was woods, 60 years ago. When he got out of the car, his gaze transfixed. He went catatonic, produced a knife, and demanded my friend perform oral sex on him at knife point. In the middle of this, he underwent another transformation, became confused and disoriented, dropped the knife and seemed a different person. My friend cursed him out and demanded he drive her home. A distance from her real home, she demanded he let her out of the car. She took off home via the subway and did not let him know where she lived. For weeks after, he called the girl's mother at the phone number she had provided, laminating that he had let her go. My friend wondered if she had escaped from Richard Speck. She conveyed this information to me when I was in college myself in the late 70s, and I never, ever forgot about it. To this day, I'm so happy my friend survived what could have turned out to be something more awful. My husband and I like to go for walks after dinner. The neighborhood we live in is generally safe, even when walking around after dark, so we've never been guarded or felt afraid. One night during our walk at around 8.30 p.m., a woman coming towards us began arguing with the man she was walking with. It was a pretty heated argument but something about it felt like they were putting on a show for us. The street we do our nightly walks on has a slight incline, so we could see them coming downhill towards us. I actually noticed her from a little over a block away, because her outfit looked familiar to me. A few months before this happened, a woman wearing a pink fake fur jacket with one of her shoulders exposed and a tank top kept trying to jokingly take my husband's pizza box away from him when we were waiting to cross the street saying oh my god thank you I'm starving so when I saw this woman up the street coming towards us wearing a similar style of jacket also with one of her shoulders exposed. The first thing I thought was, huh, I wonder if it's that same one that tried to take our pizza. As soon as they reached us, they went from completely quiet to screaming at each other. It was like they hit their marks on the stage and someone yelled, action, and they began the rehearsed fight. They were so loud, I could see people on the other side of the street looking over at them. So I thought, if they had been arguing like this all along, 
we definitely would have heard them long before we saw them. The two of them also switched the direction they were walking in. Originally, they were walking towards us, but as soon as they reached us and began arguing, they turned around and walked alongside us. They also boxed us in. The woman walking slightly in front of us to the left of my husband and the guy yelling at her from behind me to my right. I could tell my husband was freaked out too because he had a vice grip on my hand. Get away from me, Josh, the woman screamed. We broke up. God, leave me alone. Why are you like this, always starting shit in public? The man yelled. They kept pace with us. I tried walking faster to get away from them, but they sped up too. When we reached the intersection, even though we had the light, I pulled on my husband to stop for a bit, just to see what would happen. They both did as well. They clearly weren't anticipating the stop because they actually continued walking a bit more and then stopped suddenly when they realized we were standing still. The funny thing is, as soon as we all stopped, I saw a brief look of confusion flash over her face and they stood at the corner for a few seconds staring at each other completely quiet like they weren't sure what was going on and then like they heard someone yell action resumed yelling at each other on top of that the man who was with her wore an outfit that was head to toe dark colors like black and navy blue a hoodie pulled down almost to his eyes and one of those combo neck face mask things pulled up past his nose he was basically dressed like a ninja mind you this is in 60 degree Fahrenheit weather I know we're in COVID times but that outfit was overkill he definitely looked like he was trying to hide his face I did consider that maybe she was walking alongside us because she was genuinely scared. It was the reason I didn't just leave and pull my husband away with me. She'd call out to us every now and then and say, You see what I have to put up with? He won't leave me alone. Hey, I said after this happened a few times. Come with us to ZZ Avenue. Obviously not the real name. There's a bunch of stores and restaurants there still open. Lots of people, so it'll be safer. She ignored me every time. Just when I decided this had to be fake, she suddenly asked my husband to tell the masked man to leave her alone. And my husband told him, Dude, I think you should back off and give her some space. Whatever's going on, you're not helping. 
and just like that, the creepy ninja guy left. He didn't even put up a fight. He didn't tell my husband to mind his own business. Nothing. He just yelled, I want my stuff back, Jessica, and ran off. I found it strange he gave up so easily. The woman thanked my husband and then begged us to walk her back home on YY Avenue. Also, obviously not the real name. Because she was scared he'd be outside her building waiting for her. We immediately said no. Between where we were and YY Avenue were a lot of small playgrounds, churches, schools, and parking lots of medical offices that were closed by then, like radiology centers. Basically, if we walked her home, we'd be passing by a lot of dark, unpopulated places where we could get jumped by Ninja Guy and his friends, and no one would be around to hear us scream. I suggested over and over to walk to XX Avenue instead, which would have us walking through well-populated residential neighborhoods, and we could wait in a store together while she called for a police officer to escort her to a friend's place. But she actually said, Yeah, but that's in the opposite direction of where I live, and that's really inconvenient for me. I'd end up having to walk so much. Who picks convenience over not getting potentially kidnapped and killed? Also, if you knew your creepy psycho ninja boyfriend was going to be waiting for you outside your home to harass you, why would you go home instead of staying with a friend? She also kept telling us her address. I just need you to walk me to my building, number 1234 on YY Avenue, apartment 30B, or something. Like she was trying to reassure us that we really would be escorting her to a real place. And that this definitely was not a plan to rob us or harvest our organs. After several times of us offering to walk her to a restaurant or 24-hour drugstore, she finally said she was calling her mother to get her, pulled out her cell phone, and quickly walked away from us. Hey, we'll wait here with you until your mom picks you up. My husband called after her. She didn't answer, but started running. We watched her until she turned a corner and disappeared. I know it sounds crazy, but even after that, I still wasn't completely convinced it was fake. I still feel guilty. Maybe she really did need our help, and we let her down. Maybe she was following us because she felt safer around a couple. Maybe they didn't really box us in. Maybe she just put us between her and her boyfriend so he couldn't grab her. After we arrived home, and for a few days afterwards, 
My husband and I struggled with whether we had just left a poor woman alone to contend with an abusive stalker boyfriend. But the way she and the man she was arguing with acted suggested a scam more than someone trying to get away from an abusive partner. She was more concerned with convenience than safety. She wouldn't take our offer to accompany her down a safer, more populated path to a public place, and she didn't even want us to wait with her while she called her mother. Plus, the guy's outfit was really suspicious. It seemed like he wanted to be sure none of his features were visible. Pretty much all my friends thought it was a scam too, but I still wondered. I still feel bad. Just like a lot of people who write about this stuff, I've been made to feel unsafe by creepy people in the past. So if I see someone in a similar situation, if I can, I want to help get them to safety. But at the same time, I think it's important to remember that not everyone who appears to be a victim actually is one. Some people may try to take advantage of your kindness and empathy to steal from you, or worse. Please be safe out there. I was younger when this happened, so some of the details are a bit fuzzy. At the time, I definitely didn't find it to be a big deal. Only recently, I've been thinking about it and realizing how creepy the whole thing was. My mom believes it's one of the scariest things to ever happen to her, and that she genuinely feared for our safety at the time. We were driving late one night, and it was just me, my mom, and my dad. Eventually, we got a bit turned around, and I think this was still a time when iPhones were relatively newer to my family, and not the best quality. So, my dad pulled into a bar to ask for directions. It's completely dark out, and he gets out of the car, with it still running, to go inside. A couple of guys are standing on the porch of the establishment, and they're eyeing me and my mom alone in the car. After a couple of minutes, one of them comes out and seems to be coming towards our car, but goes to a truck next to us. He fiddles around in it for a few seconds. Then, he gets out and makes it seem like he'll go back to the porch with his buddies. Instead, he turns at the last second, tugs at our door handle, and sits in our driver's seat. Clearly, he is intoxicated. He's older, maybe 50s or 60s. The car is still running, mind you, and nothing is stopping him from doing something reckless like changing the gears. He starts talking to my mom, 
and it's clear she's uncomfortable. He says something like, Oh, I just want to go on a ride. And my mom is nervously playing along, probably in an attempt to placate him enough so he doesn't try anything. My mom mentions a couple times that my dad is just getting directions inside and that he'll be back any second. Eventually, the man does get out and my mom locks the doors. His buddies are all laughing and continuing to stare at us. When my dad comes back out, the drunk guy stops my dad and says he was joking around with us. I knew when my dad got back in the car, my mom was furious because she hadn't wanted to stop at the bar in the first place. He definitely didn't see it the way she did. He took it as a harmless drunk guy and that it was fine because nothing happened. Looking back, the situation had so much potential to go wrong. Me and my mom didn't have anything to defend ourselves, and there was nothing stopping him from driving off in the car with us. It's amazing the things we brush off at a young age, and only later we realize how dangerous it could have been. Disclaimer, I do not live in Burbank. I was visiting a friend for a weekend trip in 2015 when this happened and did not know where in or around Burbank this happened. Upon chatting with others, I figured out it was Gravity Hills at Cagle Cannon. My apologies if this triggers any or all local Burbankers out there. So, back in 2015, I was visiting a friend who lived in Burbank, California. You know those silly, creepy folklore tales where you go to a rural place where a tragedy had happened. Then do some obscure thing, like flash your light three times, and then something super creepy happens. Yeah, well, we were in our early 20s and thought that doing something like that would be super fun and cool. My memory isn't the best, so I'll probably get some of the details wrong. But the story goes that there was this children's psychiatric hospital on top of this massive hill where a school bus had crashed while transporting multiple children, causing them all to die. The psychiatric hospital was now serving as a cemetery. You were to go to the cemetery, find the driveway leading to the house at the back of the grounds, and put your car in neutral. Then your car would be pushed up this hill, and you would have small fingerprints all over your bumper from said ghost of children's past. We were driving to the cemetery, and there's this tiny little village, literally only one stoplight, and a long, 
winding road up to the top of the hill where the cemetery was. We get to the top finally and are driving around for a bit, trying to find the point to put the car in neutral. Having a hard time finding it, next thing you know, we turn the corner and I shit you not, there were about 30 people in the white KKK hoods with 20 feet long torches and a circle in the middle of the cemetery. Mind you, it's like 3 a.m. at this point. I'm freaking out. My friend who is driving seems mildly disturbed, but just parks her car out of sight to look something up. Next thing we know, there's a massive white pickup truck that comes speeding up behind us, flashing their lights and honking their horn. They're approaching so quick, I think that they are about to rear-end us and possibly hurt us. My friend puts her car in gear, and we are trying to outrun this truck. We are chased out of the cemetery down the winding hill, the truck tailgating us so hard, I truly don't know how he didn't hit us. Once we pass the light to exit the small village at the bottom of the hill, the truck stops and turns around and heads back up to the cemetery. Needless to say, I never did anything of the sort ever again. During the height of COVID, I decided to get some fresh air after work and go for a walk at a nearby trail that parallels a side road and a highway. The parking lot for this section of the trail is very small, with only three parking spots in the lot. When I pulled in, there was a black Suburban already there in the middle spot, so I parked to the right of it and stayed in my car, texting, browsing Reddit, essentially procrastinating my walk. After a few minutes, a man in his mid-thirties gets out of the black Suburban and opens the hood of his car and makes multiple trips back and forth from the hood to his trunk, seemingly looking for something. Each time, he passes between our cars and I can feel him looking inside at me as he passes my window. I become uneasy with the man, so resolved to not get out until he's gone. About 15 minutes pass of him continuing to look in the hood of his car, walking to his trunk and passing between our cars while trying to catch my attention. I avoid eye contact throughout. Now, I was going through something in my life at the time that, in this moment, put me in the mindset of, I'm not going to let my discomfort of this man get in the way of me living my life, while simultaneously convincing myself that I'm probably overthinking, 
overanalyzing and assuming the worst when this guy is probably just a normal guy. After my internal debate is over, I resolve to get out of my car and go for my walk. Immediately after I get out, I ask him if he's having trouble with his car. He says no. My logic in talking to him is to fill him out to decide whether it's safe to embark on a solo walk with this guy who would see exactly where I went. Mistake number one. His car had some sort of government tags, which made me more at ease. And I ask about the tags, to which he gave a long-winded explanation. I don't remember what it was. He then said, Can I have a hug? And I know this was so stupid of me, but I was so isolated feeling during COVID that I figured he felt the same and that we somehow recognized that. I was desperate for human contact and I said, mm, Sure. Very, very stupid of me, I know. Mistake number two. It's October, so we're both wearing coats. Mine was long and went down to my calves and was unzipped. When we hugged, his hands and arms went inside my jacket around my waist instead of hugging me outside my coat. Once his hands were in, he quickly proceeded to fill my body down from my waist into my butt. I immediately pulled away and said, That was weird. I'm going on my walk now. I was panicked, but didn't want to do anything that would make him act with urgency and escalate the situation. He was upset when I pulled away from our sexual assault hug and asked if I wanted to hang out later. Ill. And he suggested we add each other on Snapchat. Again, I didn't want to upset him, so... I let him request to add me. I know. So stupid. Mistake number three. After that, I immediately said, Okay, I'm going for my walk now. Bye. I should have gotten in my car and noped out of there. Mistake number four. I sped walk out of view and instantly wished I had gotten in my car, as I now had no idea where this guy could be. My skin starts to crawl and I felt very much in danger out there in the woods. I sprinted through some dense bushes and crouched down so I was out of view. My heart was racing. About 30 seconds later, he came running along the trail frantically trying to catch up to me. I stayed off the trail and ran through the woods to some thick bushes by the parking lot and stayed there a while to make sure the coast was clear back to my car. Not long after, the man returns to his car, gets in, 
and turns on the engine and drives down the side road that parallels the trail. He slowly drives back and forth on the side road, turning around and starting over probably three times, seemingly looking for me in the points. I'd have been along the trail, if I'd have been steadily walking since the time I'd started my walk. After about five minutes of my heart beating out of my chest, as I watched this creep search for me, he gives up and turns onto the highway and speeds off in the opposite direction from where he said he lived. The second he was out of sight, I sprinted to my car as fast as I could and couldn't believe what had just happened. I drove home in a silent state of shock and numbness and haven't let myself think about it too much ever since. That was freaking terrifying. I can let myself acknowledge that now. I hope someone can learn from the mistakes I made during this encounter. Please, stay safe out there, everyone. I went to college in Florida. After graduating, the first thing on my mind was getting out of there. So, I made plans to move across the country and start a new life. I was 23 at the time, with all the options in the world. Everything was in order. I quit my job and a friend of mine agreed to take over my lease. I'd been living alone in a townhouse since my previous roommate graduated. So my friend moved into the other bedroom while I was preparing to move out. About a week later, 10 p.m., the two of us were watching TV when there was a knock at the door. My friend got up to answer. He came back with a bag of food from a sandwich delivery place assuming I had ordered it. I hadn't. We thought maybe it had been delivered to the wrong address, but there was my name and address on the receipt. The phone number on the receipt, however, was unfamiliar. I called the number and someone answered, but they never spoke. I could only hear the ambient sounds of a room and breathing. I searched the phone number and it appeared to be through an app. I convinced myself this was some kind of prank or misunderstanding. A few nights later, another knock comes at the door. My friend insisted on answering again and I heard him telling a delivery person that this was a mistake. She doesn't live here anymore. No one ordered food to this address. The driver responded that they had taken the order themselves over the phone and spoken to a man who simply asked for the specials and ordered the first one. It was the same number on the receipt. I called again and again 
I heard someone listening on the other end. The deliveries kept coming every few nights. My move was delayed for unrelated reasons, and the longer I stayed, the more it began to really scare me. Why would someone do this? One time, I called the number after another delivery with my friend sitting next to me. The stranger picked up the phone as usual, but this time we heard a faint voice. She definitely lives there. Then, abrupt silence. I didn't recognize the person speaking, but I realized I shouldn't have been calling from my own number. I never called again. My friend tried, but the person on the other end never spoke aside from that one time. Eventually, most of the delivery stopped, but someone continued harassing us for months in various ways. That phone number began calling at all hours of the day and night, sometimes 30 calls in a row. They usually called my phone, but called my friend sometimes as well. If we answered, they would immediately hang up and call again. I began getting random friend requests on every social media with messages such as, Don't you remember meeting at the party last night? When I definitely hadn't left my house in a week. Most disturbingly, someone also started throwing eggs at the townhouse, which suggested the stalker was local and knew where I lived. Maybe he was watching every time a delivery was dropped off. Maybe he was watching other times, too. The only thing I ever learned was that he knew I hadn't moved. By this point, I was staying inside as much as possible. But you have to leave the house sometimes. I was terrified until I finally moved and blocked the number. My friend elected not to take over my lease, but I was always thankful he stayed with me those last couple months. This was about eight years ago now, and I still don't have the faintest idea who it could have been. My former co-workers and a few college friends knew I was moving, but I couldn't think of anyone who would have had a reason to keep track of whether or not I'd had moved, and I didn't recognize their voice the one time I heard it. To this day, I refuse to answer unknown phone numbers or unexpected knocks at the door. Even contactless delivery gives me anxiety. I am always half expecting them to show up again. And that, dear listeners, is the end of these true creepy encounters. If you were sleeping, 
I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you are awake and listening, I hope you have enjoyed this collection. With all of that said, I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.